Hello and welcome to The District, the Spectator World's weekly podcast. I'm Cara Kennedy and today we're discussing all things royal. My guest, who is an expert in this, is Kinsey Schofield, a royal commentator and the host of the To Die For Daily podcast. Kinsey, thank you for joining me today. Thank you so much. And thank you for saying my name and podcast name right. It, that's Sadly, it, I, people get that wrong almost on a daily basis. So bless you. So I wanted to talk about the article that I did last week about Meghan and Harry and how they kind of lose in Hollywood. But the issue is that since that, so much has happened with the Sussexes that I don't really know where to start. So what do you think is happening with them in Hollywood right now? Well, I mean, I think that your article remains accurate. You're not seeing them on red carpets. You're not seeing them enveloped by the Hollywood elite. What you're actually seeing is pay you know, pay to play. We are seeing an increase in the Sussex PR efforts, which is expensive, as I'm sure your audience knows. For instance, Hearst Magazine Company, which owns People Magazine and, uh, you know, like Better Homes and Gardens, and they they own just such a huge part of the media here in the States, like several days after the funeral, Seventeen Magazine, Cosmo Magazine, I think Better Homes and Gardens Magazine, I'd say at least six of their publications tweeted the exact same video with the exact same verbiage about Meghan Markle's charity pursuits. And I'm sorry, but to me, that looked suspicious to the internet. That looked suspicious that it just was so orchestrated, executed at the exact same time with the exact same verbiage. They specifically use the Duchess of Sussex title, which if you watch Harry and Meghan closely, you'll notice that there have been two pieces of media that have gone out, tweets that referred to Meghan Markle as Meghan Markle and not the Duchess of Sussex. I believe it was a Vogue article about Roe versus Wade. And then the Cut Magazine's exclusive interview with Meghan and you know, people that represented Megan contacted both of those outlets and asked them to delete the tweet and repost with the title Duchess of Sussex. So, you know, we're just seeing a lot of coordinated media happening right now. And like I said, I think your article still stands because we're not seeing Harry and Meghan on red carpets and we're not seeing them at some of those high profile events. What we're seeing them do is accept awards that their PR people have a relationship with the award show, or we're seeing these really fluffy puff pieces about, you know, charities that Megan has been involved in. But my argument is, you know, as somebody who has worked in charity before, you release numbers, I raised X amount of dollars, I accomplished this, and we never see that from the Sussexes. It's all very vague what, what they're doing with Archwell. So essentially, I mean, like you just said, they kind of lost um, Hollywood. There's a last bag PR attempt to kind of win it back. Do you think that this was always going to happen, that they they were never going to kind of be the celebrity name that they thought they would? Absolutely not. There was a there was a great chance for Meghan and Harry to come over to the States and be loved and be celebrated and be protected. However, uh, Meghan and Harry sat down with Oprah Winfrey in the middle of a plague when none of us could leave our homes, stoked racial tensions when, you know, George Floyd was happening and 
there were riots every other night. The city was shut down aside from the plague, but these racial riots were happening. I mean, I think a lot of people look at Harry and Meghan and think you have 16 bathrooms. You have a blessed life. You have beautiful children. You have, you you know, you have a beautiful home and you really do have the ability to do whatever it is you want to do because of who you know, Harry's family because of Harry's background. So why are you complaining? I will say there are certain people that still take up for Harry and Meghan in the public eye. It's a small group, but it's a powerful group. For instance, this week, we saw Tyler Perry on the Today Show saying yeah, that Meghan Markle was so sweet and, and you know, he was her friend. Oprah Winfrey is going to continue to rally around them. And I think that that's because she works with them professionally. You know, some of her pr- same producers are the producers for Meghan's podcast. She worked with Prince Harry on the Me You Can't See Apple Plus series Obviously, they did that big CBS special, which was so successful for Oprah. And then Gail King, who's Oprah's friend. So there are a few people that still stand up for her. And those people are incredibly powerful in Hollywood. But for the most part, people think that they're drama and they they want to distance themselves because they don't want to get caught up in the whirlwind press that the Sussexes get. So my piece kind of focused on the Hollywood side. I've think that we've heard what everybody had to say about that in the royal sphere but now we've come back to that after this week um valentine Lowe has released some extracts from his upcoming book courtiers katie nickel from vanity fair um the royal correspondent there has a new book coming out called the new royals with really damning allegations against megan and harry as well Right. Well, and Angela Levin has a new book out, too. So we are seeing a flood of of, of new information hitting royal watchers. You know, I, I think the most damning story from, to me personally, for Harry, the most damning story I found in Valentine Lowe's new book was saying, being forced to go to the back to say hi to the press that were on the tour with them of the plane and saying, Thanks for coming here, even though you weren't invited, because A, they literally were invited. You don't get to ride on the same airplane as Prince Harry without an invitation. And B, I just thought it gave you an insight into how bitter and resentful he is towards the press that Harry and Meghan utilize quite a bit to elevate themselves. And I do think that these, here's my issue with those new books and those new revelations. Tom Bauer's book was absolutely savage. Tom Bauer's book was incredibly insightful. And one thing that Tom Bauer's book said, which I think is so interesting in contrast to Valentine Lowe's, was that how well Megan treated her suits staff, how how well Megan treated the production and her fellow cast members on suits versus going into the the going into Kensington Palace and being uh, allegedly verbally and emotionally abusive towards that staff and bullying. I think that's so interesting. However, Tom Bauer's book really did not make a splash in America. So while Valentine Lowe and Katie Nichols and Angela Levin's books are definitely must-reads and so fascinating, it's hard to get American media to pay attention to some of those stories. And I, I have a theory that it's because American media is eager to have access to the Sussexes. I think that that's why they don't necessarily report on everything negative. I've sat down for some entertainment shows here in the States, very popular entertainment shows. 
and anything negative I've said about them, even though I'm stating facts. Like specifically, I did a a year after Oprah interview where I sat down for half an hour and said, "Here, are, here's a list of everything that proved to be untrue in the Oprah Winfrey interview. And somehow every single one of those mentions were cut out of the interview. So I think that American media is not necessarily protective of the Sussexes, but they want access to the Sussexes. So they're not going to do anything that might jeopardize that. And what's so interesting about that theory is if you look at the Cut magazine, they've written horrible things about the British royal family, Prince William specifically. Um, even after King Charles became king. They they made some joke about the pen. And so we know Megan is a grudge holder. We know she's a bridge burner. We know she is a researcher. And so the fact that Megan would pursue an interview with the Cut magazine, knowing that there's this history of attacking the royal family, that's very interesting to me. Also knowing that, I think that that is why some of these American media outlets don't go after them, don't report some of these stories, because they hope and pray that one day they get to sit down with the Sussexes because that's of, of, of interest to them because Americans love the royal family. And despite Harry and Meghan, you know, no longer being senior members of the royal family, there's still that attachment and that connection specifically to Diana, who we love. Yeah, I think that that's interesting that the American media kind of know where their bread is buttered. I think that's why there was such a different kind of reaction to that Oprah interview in the US um, than the UK, because the factual errors in the Oprah interview, especially the ones about how Meghan and Harry's child wouldn't have a title. I mean, any British person that has any interest in the royal family knows that that protocol and knows about that protocol and knows that that's not something that anybody has done out of spite. That's just not how it works because they're not directly in line to the throne and they're not the Queen's grandchildren, their great-grandchildren. So maybe that can explain why there were such different attitudes on either side. Yes, I mean... I had this conversation while I was in London with a presenter over there and my I said specifically about the you know color of Archie's skin comment I said I just wish they would have said that's a lie that's a lie that did not happen and the 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 UK presenter was like you're trying to americanize the monarchy that they would never do that that's you know that cheapens them but my argument is Harry and Meghan will continue to utilize American media to weaponize. They'll use the they'll they'll use the American media as a weapon against the British royal family if if they don't put their foot down sometimes. And to me, the race comment was so upsetting and so dangerous that I felt like it needed to be addressed a little bit harsher because I don't believe that it happened the way that they said it did. I think that somebody might have said, I wonder what the baby will look like. And there was a game of telephone and somebody decided that comment was racist. But we all wonder what babies are going to look like. There are literally apps for that. Everybody wonders what their baby is going to look like. You know, God forbid it have have King Charles's ears, things like that. Everybody wonders. It's just a, a way of life. But you're right. In, in America, we were obsessed with that narrative. And talking that out on every talk show, where in the UK, I felt like they were like, there's no way that happened. End of story. And Americans are still stewing on that. No, that's true. The most interesting comment I thought from Valentine, uh, Valentine's book so far 
was in one of the public engagements that Megan was overheard by several people saying, I can't believe I'm not getting paid for this. I think it kind of makes sense that that's the reason that she was like, oh, I'm done with this. I'm going to go to LA where I can make loads of money. That's a great point. So one of the things that Valentine Lowe suggests in Courtiers is that Megan set up the palace from the start with negative story, you know, with negative instances where she felt rejected, where she felt she wasn't being helped to the point where I believe it was Sam Cohen had said to several individuals that also worked at the palace, we need to start documenting how we're helping her. We need to start documenting better uh, what we're doing to a appease her because it seems like she's documenting every time she's rejected or doesn't get her way. And ultimately, it sounds like palace staff felt like Megan was trying to document these bad experiences to justify leaving the royal family as quickly as possible so that they could monetize this brand. Because I don't think that anyone would deny that Megan, the amount of success and, and notoriety that Meghan Markle has today, she could have never, ever accomplished on her own. She accomplished it because she married a man that was, you know, a, a member of the British royal family. Megan was a actress on suits. I'd never heard. I am an, I've been an entertainment reporter for over 10 years. I'd never heard of suits. I'm glad it had some some form of success, but it wasn't on my pop culture radar. It was not a sexy show. It was not an exciting show. It was not a show you talked about the next day around the water cooler. You know, she was a Hallmark actress, which my God, that's my dream. But she was not the as successful as she is today. I, I guess I use the She's not as famous, I should say, as she is today. And she certainly wouldn't have been had she not married Prince Harry. And so all of a sudden, this woman that has cultivated this life online, this brand, the TIG, with, you know, begging people like Michael Boublier for interviews on her blog, this very um, obsessively curated Instagram account, all of a sudden, this girl is getting sent millions of dollars worth of free swag earrings from her girlfriend that you know was previously married to spider-man cute clothes candles things like this and she's looking at all of this going i'm finally become what i wanted to be all this time this this real influencer and i'm not able to monetize off of it of course megan loved all of the positive attention she got and the, and the people clamoring for her and screaming for her but I think she always wanted, you know, you don't see Angelina Jolie shaking hands with 5,000 people at a movie premiere. I don't think that Megan ever anticipated having to do that kind of grunt work. And But I do think that she liked the celebrity that came with it and wanted to monetize it because she felt like she was leaving money on the table. Along with that, she's got all of these American representatives in council that are saying, I, you know, we're having to turn down this, 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 and this because of your job. Imagine if we didn't have to do that. And so I do believe that she probably at some point was like, I can't believe I'm not getting paid for this because, you know, she knew that she was the most famous she'd ever been. And she had been working probably decades for it at the time. I mean, this is a girl that was auditioning for Shakira videos and shimming across, you know, a dance floor. And all of a sudden, she's inviting George Clooney, who's never met her to her wedding. And he says, yes, it's an incredible transformation. What I do find interesting, and I have to mention it, because obviously, with the Queen's death, everything has kind of transcended a bit and moved on. So in Katie Nichols' new book, she talks about how Megan was shouting at, at courtiers or caterers 
I think about wedding food and the queen turned around and said, Megan, in this family, we don't speak to people like that. And I think what's interesting about that is in all of the queen's 70 years, we hardly ever hear her have an opinion on anything. So for the queen to reportedly kind of reprimand Megan like that is extraordinary. What do you think? I agree. I, you know, I'm, I can't imagine hearing something like that and it not scaring you straight. It just is insane to me that we hear about this instant and yet there is continued naughty behavior between Megan and staff. So it, it was like, how much do you respect the queen if she can shut you down like that and your behavior continues so much so in the direction that emails have to be sent, HR is notified, and there's an internal investigation? Uh, you know, if you respect this woman, then you're going to take what she says to heart and you're going to change your behavior. And it doesn't sound like she did change her behavior, which is so unfortunate. And honestly, if you look at the amount of staff that have left Archwell Audio or that have left the Archwell brand in general since Megxit, you you wonder, quite honestly, how much her attitude has changed towards staff because they've lost a lot of staff members since they left the uh, se- left being senior members of the British royal family. What do you think will happen with this bullying scandal? Because I think that the palace's kind of opinion on it is that we don't want any bad stuff to come out regardless of how it paints Meghan or us. Uh, the kind of never complain, never explain mantra is still very ingrained into the palace, um, the day-to-day workings. And I just don't think they want bad press, regardless of who it makes look bad. Obviously, Meghan, the Sussexes will try and bury it um, as much as they can. What do you think will come I from have, it? I feel like if the if Harry's book is nasty... And if Meghan continues to podcast with tiny digs throughout the royal family, I think that if Harry and Meghan don't change their behavior, which, by the way, we get it. You didn't like your time as members of the British royal family. I totally get it. Move on. Why don't you Why don't you talk about how great your life is, how much you love Polo and Montecito? I mean, there is so much that they should be grateful for. And we have digested all we care to digest about their misery and how bitter and unhappy they were for a very short amount of time. I mean, there were There are people that are locked up in prison for longer than Meghan Markle was a member of the British royal family unfairly as innocent people. And we don't hear them going about how miserable their lives are, um, you know, for multiple years after they're freed. But I think that if they continue, you know, slandering the royal family, if they continue this victimhood tour, then I think, quite frankly, we've seen this in the past. I think, quite frankly, that bully investigation will be quote unquote leaked by somebody that wants to shut them up because I don't think that the bully investigation is a positive reflection on Megan or the the palace would have released it and said, you know what? We actually found that there was nothing to this story. Um, you know, we, but we have decided to improve going forward our communication within, you know, palace staff, blah, blah, blah. I don't know. But I just feel like if, there was nothing negative to say. We would have heard about that already, even if that was a leak. But they've been shut down. It's been shut down like in a vault 
to the point where it makes me suspect that it is not a positive reflection on Megan. And if Harry and Megan don't straighten up and don't start behaving better, I believe that the bully report will be leaked because I just think that it's the ultimate way of of putting them in their place. What about their memoirs? So I've heard a few different things. I heard that just after the Queen died, that Harry was going to go full steam ahead. And then I think he kind of went back on it. And more recently, I've heard that he's had a change of heart and wanted to at least soften it. What do you think will happen when that memoir is finally released? Right. So that's right. So in the midst of of the Queen passing, Tom Bauer reported that Prince Harry wanted to go full steam ahead with the book, wanted it released when it was supposed to be released in November and didn't want any changes. And it was actually the the publisher that was pushing back because they didn't want any negative press, you know, Maybe it looked insensitive to release a book about the royal family so close to the queen passing. And then we heard after Tom Bauer's book, like our Tom Bauer's comment, literally the next day, the publisher said, I believe it was the publisher that said they were going to postpone the release of the book out of respect for the queen. And then it was just been over the last 48 hours that we've heard that Prince Harry is actively trying to change some of the passages within the book because he doesn't want to appear insensitive and does not want to jeopardize his relationship with the royal family, that he was caught off guard by all the love and praise for the family throughout the queen's funeral and doesn't want to appear to be the bad guy for, you know, bringing up these old wounds. And so we're on a roller coaster here with Harry's book. What I can say is I have a book coming out in November as well. And that's when Harry's was initially supposed to be out. And I can tell you that there's a paper shortage. All sorts of crazy things were going on throughout my book process to where they were like, this has to go to print now. I mean, it's printed. There are physical copies coming in my direction right now, today, and we're at the end of September. So if Harry's book was supposed to come out in November, it's probably already been to print. It's probably, there are probably thousands of copies that already exist. and, And I don't know if changes are possible, if they really could be made. I always hoped and prayed that Harry's book was more motivational than sensational, that he was trying to align himself like Barack Obama or some of these leaders that, you know, get paid ludicrous amounts of monies for money for speeches. That's always what I'd hoped. And it wasn't going to be ugly towards the family, but it was going to be, you know, my mother died and and this is how I fought back. And this is how I became who I am today. And I'm proud of who I am today. And I do actually get a sense that the book was some of that because there are reports now that the publisher sent it back to Harry and said, this is too touchy-feely, too about mental health. And, you know, we actually need a little bit, we need something a little edgier. So I do get the sense that he is going in that direction a little bit, but I think it would make everybody much more comfortable if he would hand back the his advance, the partial advance he received and say, can we just shelve this for a little while? I don't think that that's a reality, but I do think that Royal Watchers would be much more comfortable and confident in a reconciliation if he went in that direction. So I was talking to somebody about this earlier and a part of me thinks that it's kind of too late. It doesn't matter if it comes out and it's less of an explosive version than what it would have been, in my opinion. The Queen has always 
kind of been one to extend the olive branch to the Sussexes. I think Charles is very harsh compared to her. He's he's kind of set in his way and he's made a decision and that decision is that it doesn't matter what you do anymore. You are never going to come back into the fold in the way that you once were. So part of me thinks that it would be although it would be respectful for them to not have like this sensationist kind of memoir come out um this damning book but the other part of me thinks that they've really got nothing to lose agreed yeah and that what was so interesting during the um process of the 10 days of mourning was i had heard from another royal commentator that charles was considering allowing the half in half out and i thought how are you getting that? I don't, I didn't believe it for a single second. I thought, how are you getting that information right now? We're in the midst of mourning. I guarantee you that's not on his mind. There are a million other things on his mind. But also, I just thought, how could he do that after all the hurt that's been done? I do agree with you that Charles, had, especially in that address that he made where he said, I love Harry and Meghan as they build their life overseas. I mean, I think truly that Charles is saying, I'm letting him do his thing. And it it's not here. And it doesn't involve us at all. Good luck to them. I love them. I truly feel that that's, that's what we're going to see moving forward. We've always heard about a slimmed down monarchy. And I don't think Harry was ever a part of the equation of a slimmed down monarchy. Um, and solely based on how jealous it seemed Meghan Markle was towards Catherine and William, I think that it's best that they keep their distance because Harry and Meghan are always pointing at things going, that's not fair. That should be us. And it would just create so much more drama to have them in the fold, even just a little bit. No, I completely agree. Just one last question. What do you think is next for them? Well, honestly, I'll tell you what, all eyes for me are on this lawsuit, this defamation suit that her sister filed against her because they're supposed to head to court on in October. And Samantha Markle, her, her half-sister, has requested a lot of information for the discovery process. And this is information that could embarrass Megan, quite honestly, if you look back at her her lawsuit against uh, one of the media outlets in the UK, it was discovered through discovery, it was discovered that Megan had worked with the authors of Finding Freedom, which was a huge blow to her credibility when she and Harry had released, like, you know, the, it's always never complain, never explain. And even with Harry and Megan, we see a lot, we see them ignoring a lot of stuff. But the fact that they released a statement saying that they did not work with the authors of Finding Freedom. And then we found out that um, you you literally did. I mean, so much. So I think that the discovery process, Samantha Markle will likely have found a lot of interesting information out about Meghan Markle. That, that's happening in October. Uh, and I think we're all so obsessed with the podcast or the Variety magazine cover that's coming out that we forget that, you know, it not everything is sunshine and rainbows for the Sussexes. It does seem like they are riding this PR high. We're hearing about this award show. GQ is going to honor her with something. GQ, who previously got in trouble for sexist Hot 100 race, racial titles. 
very feminist of them, but they're they're allegedly going to give Megan an honorary award in November. Variety magazine, which Megan is very excited about this cover, has postponed their cover with Megan, but we'll see that soon. Megan's got nine more episodes of her podcast coming out. Um, we anticipate that that will continue to be weekly here very soon. Uh, so they are. And we have also got the Netflix, the Netflix special, which I think I think will come out around November 9th, along with The Crown. And they're going to get a lot of criticism, the Sussexes. They're going to get a lot of criticism for that if The Crown proves to be negative towards the royal family, as it has been in the past, because it's basically endorsing that content by working with them and cashing that check. So they do have a lot of positive coming their way with PR that has been highly strategized and bought, but there there could be heartache along the way too. So there's there's a lot ahead for the Sussex family. Yeah, there's a lot for us to look forward to, I guess. Uh, thank you, Kinsey, and thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this episode of The District, don't forget to subscribe. You can find us wherever you listen to your podcasts. The Spectator World is the American edition of the world's oldest magazine. To read more content on similar topics, please visit spectatorworld.com.